it hasn't been a crazy year and a half or anything since the last record. Came. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because what we started recording these a year ago now, right? And I was all and Mr. like, yeah, we'll be able to just record stuff and put it out real fast. And but you know, in in the meantime, well, people like, get married and people have more babies and people, right, check know, check. And whatever right. whatever is happening in Phil's life is what no is, big deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, birth comes death, or with death comes I don't know. Yeah, the circle of life. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my bad. To, That's my to, bad. Do you have to cut that out? <laughs> You're listening to the Noon 15 podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cole, and I'll take you behind the scenes of Noon 15, an independent band writing, performing, and recording original music. This season, we'll talk about the band's sophomore album, Finish What You Started, and get the story behind one song per episode, as well as the ups and downs of working around day jobs, babies, and band shakeups here in Ithaca, New York. At the end of each episode, you'll hear the song in its finished form. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Noon 15, the podcast. And we're here for Finish What You Started, album number two from Noon 15. I'm joined today by Mandy Goldman, Samuel B. Lupowitz, Harry Nichols, Joe Massa, and the newest edition, drummer Phil Shea. In this first episode, we'll be hearing all about The Tick, which will be the first song released from this new album. Released, I believe, on America's birthday. I, uh, I'm so un-American. I was like, "What? Did, what's America's birthday?" <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. Bastille. Yeah. Best. <laughs> Pretty sure it's Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yeah. No, you're listening to this on or after uh, July 4th, there you 2019. Go. Yeah. So, and the the very first song that we're going to hear, the first one that will be released, is "The Tick." And this one is about much more than an insect. Songwriting credit to Samuel B. Lupowitz on this one. Talk about how this whole double theme kind of thing came together. I mean, we're putting it out on America's birthday because it's an American song. This song took me like two presidential elections to write because I started it in uh, 2012 and uh, never it sat around for a long time. Uh, and then a certain motivational yeah, force the came last, along in the yeah. last couple of years. I just I was feeling it again. Oh, look at you win here. You're roaring how it's answered with cheese. You may think you're the savior, son, but we've been grappling with wolves and clothes like yours for years. I think in this country, powerful people like to cast uh, the poor and the weak as parasites who feed off of the wealthy and powerful. Uh, when really, if you look at it, it's kind of the other way around where the wealthy and powerful sap, uh, you know, their power from people who are have less influence than them. Uh, and so that's really what it's about. It's a song about being a bully and uh, hopefully the, your inevitable fall. Karma uh, comes around or whatever you want yeah, to call it. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Because it's all, like I don't love trying to write political songs because it's really easy to be either super preachy or really like, despairing. And I don't like... <laughs> putting my energy into either of those so much so yeah. it's every now and then I'll find like just the right angle where it feels good to to live inside of it and it feels like I'm you know uh, I'm actually saying something and not just yelling yeah yeah <laughs> fair enough and that's I'm sure that can be a fine line sometimes look behind you now it's just a matter of time 
the feel of this, like, did you really know from the beginning it was going to be just a powerhouse of a song? The song predates the band, at least its initial conception. Before, By the time I finished it, this band was around, and so I was writing for that. But I remember, like, kicking the idea around even before the Ego Band broke up. I've got some cell phone demos somewhere of, like, horn lines that never made it into the final version and that sort of thing. Yeah. 2012 was the first time I saw the band uh, Sister Sparrow and the Dirty Birds. I saw them do a song called Hollow Bones that was a similar sort of like Zeppelin-y, sludgy blues rock song. Yeah. that was sort of the initial inspiration and didn't make it so much into the influence of this band in the first record. It was more the like funk and pop and soul kind of side sure, of what okay. we do. So okay. I was really happy. You know, we've been playing this tune for a while, but I was happy to finally get a track, especially with, with Phil playing drums. And there are a couple of fills that really just like, it's just what needs to happen to push it up to that next dynamic level. Well, you know, I'm always asking you to like, play more shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, you are. Sam the loves the drums. Well, let's add a beat to this measure right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what can you, the band, say about Phil's ability to step in and not only get up to speed on your portfolio, but really lend himself to everything that's come since then? Uh, I remember when we were looking for drummers, we kept saying, well, we really want to find somebody who we love their playing and they're a buddy and they're a friend and they can hang and we can have a good time together because the bond were the four of us have been friends for a long time. And they can sing. And they can sing. Yeah, we wanted somebody who could sing. And I remember we were talking to you about that, Dan, and you were like, well, maybe, maybe two of those things, but maybe not all three of those things. We were ready to compromise and start, start sort of like looking outside of our circle. And I mentioned it to Phil at a kite string show. And he said, well, you know, I could play in more than one band. And then <laughs> from there on, we were... Everybody else here does, right? So Right. From the uh, first rehearsal, it was very clear that Phil was the right right drummer for us. Very nice. And so, Phil, like, like we mentioned, you've been involved with Kite String for quite a while now. What was it about Noon 15 that made you want to take on another project? Well, I think, first and foremost, it was the people that are in Noon 15. Um, of course, music as well but yeah the the people first because that's i've been in bands that seem effortless right and it's just fun um and then i've been in bands where it's like every rehearsal is work every yeah. interaction is work and so you know that like has to come first and then after that if the music is good then that's like oh, okay that's the selling point then yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure so really it seems like everybody was on the exact same page about what you all wanted from this yeah and it just all started with the people. Were there really any of the people you pursued about this, or was it pretty much just Phil you were hoping for the whole time? There were thoughts we had. We talked to a few people, I think. Uh, yeah. But nothing really clicked. And we had like a 
Worst case scenario, a couple of people. Oh, <laughs> we yeah. Were <laughs> right. Definitely not going to mention names. <laughs> but you know who you are, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they know. <laughs> Shout out to Carl. <laughs> Carl, we hate you. <laughs> we dedicate this album to Carl. <laughs> For me, I record way more than I need from you because I just like sitting there and listening to you play solos. <laughs> so, is it customary to try to get it get a solo in one Joe, or do you try to space it out? A uh, more? Ideally, that's what I like to do. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, usually, what I'll do is I'll because I don't like to be too rehearsed when I go in to try and record a solo, but at the same time, like I want to have a few ideas because you know I don't just don't want to sort of go in there blind, but. Um, so, yeah, I'll just try and come up with a couple ideas, and Sam's really helpful of being, you know, giving me suggestions or what he likes, what, you know, directions to go or whatever. Now that you don't know what you're doing in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just a, a little bit of direction for you. Yeah, play. the idea for me behind this solo, too, was to be sort of bordering on almost, like, obnoxious, like, just, like, <laughs> playing way too much because, you know, the tick and it's kind of a pest and, okay. you know, that kind okay. of thing. And you want it to sound good, too. So I was kind of trying to walk that line. And, you know, a little sloppiness was probably okay here and there. Very nice. I, just what Joe considers sloppiness I was cracks me up. Yeah. 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 Sloppy is not, not tasteful, a term. Right? Tasteful sloppy. <laughs> John, like, yeah. For Shante, I always thought did a great job of playing a solo that was, like, purposely... A little muddy sloppy yeah. but like yeah it sounded like he was supposed to do it but there was just something in there like an indescribable quality that like yeah sludgy i guess a little imperfection yeah. yeah it's good yep my fashion sense and when you topple hit the deafening third how to survive and all your life you just been We kept that one part from your live vocal with the band, right? Yes, I remember. Yes, Harry, in particular, wanted me to keep that scratch I, vocal. I did want it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was awesome. Which I was like, I was like, no, but um, <laughs> no, but sometimes there's something really like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we all no, was, keeping it, man. No, it was I don't nice care though. if you don't like it. It was nice though because I have like I have a really I'm a second guesser, so I I'm trying to change the way that I approach recording in the studio because a lot of the time I'll come in and I'll be like, this has to be perfect and each line has to be exactly how I want it, but that can really inhibit a cohesive performance. So when we lay down the scratch vocals, I'm just singing how I would live. And there was something about the way that I attacked that crazy high belt part live that just doesn't come out when I'm not with the band. It Like the, the note came out but not that there was some grit and some passion to it but you need to feel everything else behind you yeah exactly yeah. and it's i i like singing like the best So in, aside from the five sitting in front of me right here, on this song in particular, there are three very powerful singers that lend their, lend their talents to this song. Uh, we have Jen Court, Julia Felice, and Amanda Massa on background vocals. But that's the extent of the outside help, at least on 
the part of the album that we're, we're familiar with right now. Volume 1 featured a number of horn and string players on various songs. Was it a conscious decision to do that less here? or I don't think it was a conscious decision, really. I think we've got a lot of songs now that we've been playing for a while. I think it just felt right for... This song, like the band had it, but we wanted some more voices on it. I don't know. Maybe that was just my idea. I don't know if I consulted. <laughs> well, but, but we mentioned the powerhouse idea before, and these are yeah. That's what that's what these ladies bring to this too. It's some power for sure. I had wondered if maybe it had anything to do with you're trying to cut back your mixing load or anything like that, but that doesn't seem like your style. Uh, no, if I, I, that would be a smart thing for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sam is kind of carrying on with recording and mixing and doing all of that here. I mean, what can any of the rest of the band say about how valuable it is having a band member who just handles all that? Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> first, the first EP would, would not have been made. Um, yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I think getting through that first EP was kind of an important thing for this band. And so I, yeah, I honestly don't know. I'd obviously still be playing with these guys, but um, just as far as like our momentum and what we, what it would feel like if we didn't have Sam to step in there when, you know, we, I, I, we didn't have like tons of money to go into like a nice studio and, you know, all that stuff. And so, and it felt nice to like, just get it started, you know, um, earlier on rather than later. So it was, it was just good for momentum building um, for that. And, you know, continuing into this with the with the current recordings, it's just, it's great. He gets better and better at it the more he does it. And, um, yeah, things just sound really good. The moment someone says, like, this could really be a lot better if someone else took over, I, like, mm. I'm just, I'm always sort of waiting for that, and it just hasn't come yet, so. Well, it's <laughs> nice for us to have the opportunity to do that, because we don't get to, like, to have that much creative control over our own stuff is is kind of nice for us. We get to really make a lot of decisions. We get to take our time and do things when it's convenient for us, which is, you can never do that, even at, you know, the the best studio, the place where you want to go, where you love the engineer and you love the production. And it, you don't get to do it on your own timeline. So right. that's really, really nice. Especially at $200 an hour or whatever. Right, yeah. exactly. I want to make sure also that we shout out Chris Ploss from Sunwood Recording out in Trumansburg, New York, um, who mastered the tracks. Um, and also he did a couple last minute tweaks that I think I think I had the mixes kind of 90 percent there, which is a huge uh, achievement for me. But the last 10 percent that he did uh, cleaning up some of my mess was a big help. I think this is my favorite new 15 song to sing. Good lyrics, very good lyrics. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's just real pissed off. <laughs> it's fun to play, too. I remember, I feel like every time we play it out, I'm always like, get ready out there, audience. <laughs> I know I've said that a couple times. I'm always thinking it. Yeah. Well, it's nice that we can now say, get ready out there, audience. Because, like, I, I don't know, I feel like it took us a long time to master that song like we're mm-hmm. always trying to like it, it's one of those th- like it, yeah yeah to get it to like swagger and not be too fast but not be Surgy. Yeah. yeah yeah and now it's funny because I don't think I used to think about that right. all the time when we played this song but it, it, I don't think about it at all now mm. it just it just works I feel that it's like everything that you've got you yeah know, that it just all comes out on that song it's a nice little metaphor for the band, I think. It's got a lot of the soul. It's got a lot of the heart to it, but it's also just like a little bit odd. It's like a little bit heady that it's a, that it's a song that's really essentially a metaphor. That's very like... That's fitting too. English majory, like the three of us who write songs <laughs> for this band are all very like literary folk, so 
that little bit of that's he- heady also in the sense that there's that like seven eight bar just in yeah the exactly and... exactly what is it we hear at the end of the tick that pre-recording Oh, it's a uh, it's it's a little soundbite from from a television show that I thought was thematically appropriate. Uh, but it's uh, I figured I'd leave it leave it a little cryptic and can see if you can uh, oh, fair you can track it down. Okay. I think that was the tick. Probably circle nice. back to me, I think, before we move on. I'm always, I'm always happy point. to circle back to you, Phil. I feel like that was really good, but there wasn't enough of me. <laughs> As the band is on this one, we have Mandy Goldman on the lead and background vocals, Samuel B. Lupowitz on organ, piano, and background vocals, Joe Massa on electric guitars, Harry Nichols on the bass and backing vocals, Phil Shea on the drums, and of course we mentioned Jen Cork, Julia Felice, and Amanda Massa on backing vocals here as well. Episode 1 from Finish What You Started. This is The Tick from Noon 15. on your floor but if you pull the curtain back it's the same little nobody we've seen before hey we know your game and though it seems your people still want to play they shout your empty words your iron and clay
Thanks for listening to the Noon 15 Podcast. Visit Noon15.com to subscribe and for more music, videos, and info on upcoming shows. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Tune in next time for another trip behind the scenes with Noon 15. He said it was like an American song. I was like, yes, Americans suffer from many tick-borne diseases. (laughs) (laughs) They're discovering more every day. (laughs) Did you know you can develop a meat allergy from a tick bite? Which is my fucking nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Being allergic to meat. The doctor was just like, you can't listen. You're allergic to meat now and you're allergic to, to, to alcohol. I'd be like. Just kill me. I guess I'm just gonna, no, just I, I'd be me. like, I'm just going to go home. I'm going to set myself out a bottle of whiskey and a dry-aged ribeye. <laughs>